Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to yet another uh, really good revision history podcast with me, Mr. Hutchison. And again, we are focusing on the Richard and John uh, Edexcel GCSE course for Paper 2 of the Edexcel exams. And we are on um, episode 8, I believe, and we the last episode we went through an overview of King Richard's reign and this time we're doing exactly the same thing only we're looking at King John. Remember these two are the focus of this course obviously hence the name um, as well as how people are generally living during that time so the feudal system you know peasants, barons, knights, uh, the power of the church, uh, a little sort of case study on uh, the the small group of Jewish people that were living in the country at the time. So as well as all of those things and what was going on in, in, in England at the time, how people were living, we're looking at the reigns of these two specifically. So the plan for this podcast is to just give you an overview of King John's reign, who he was, give you a bit of his uh, backstory, as it were, as well as giving you an overview of his reign, so that as I go through, you can listen to this. If there's anything that comes up that you're not sure about, uh, you can then sort of zero in and pick the podcast, uh, you know, for that event and, and, you know, enhance the gaps in your knowledge, I suppose. And and if not, this will provide you with a a lovely overview of of King John's reign. So uh, here we go. Uh, King John was the fourth son of Henry II. I'm not going to talk too much about him because I I did in the last podcast about Richard. Um, He's the fourth son of Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine. So the same parents as Richard. And by all accounts, folks, the popular belief is that King John, despite all of his quirk shall we say at best and and, and and horrific character traits at worst despite all of that it's widely believed that he was his father's favorite son okay he was henry's fourth eldest son and therefore it was not expected that he would become king because he was the fourth in line in fact when henry sort of carved up his kingdom and gave areas of it to to his sons to rule he named john john lackland like sort of as a as a, as a lovable um as a loving sort of nickname for him because he just did not have enough land to go around being that he was the the fourth so so based on that as well, it was John's elder three brothers that, that were, were supposed to be the knights, who were supposed to be the, the, the fighters, the warriors, the military tacticians. John was never expected to be that. So he had a far less sort of militaristic uh, upbringing. He was being prepared for a career in the church. Now remember, if you're measuring... Um, King John and King Richard against what was expected of kings in medieval times, you know, they were expected to be warriors. John was not a warrior, and that was because he wasn't trained to be, and that was because he was never expected to be king. So he, he had that slight disadvantage from his upbringing. He was very interested in law, and he liked books as well. He was known to be intelligent and hardworking, but as you'll see from some of the stories later on in the course, he was also known to be bad-tempered and cruel, suspicious and devious and disloyal, essentially. Okay, so... John does have some experiences ruling, though, before he comes to the throne. In 1177, he is made sort of King of Ireland by Henry II, but he doesn't go there until 1185. 
He falls out with his brother and, and fights against him uh, in 1183. This is a family that is constantly at war, though. So, so there you go. Remember, later on, Richard does forgive John for all of his past transgressions and everything he's done to him before and makes him his heir. But anyway, yep, John goes to war against Richard in 1183. And then in 1189, when Richard's at war with Henry, their father, John switches sides um, and joins Richard's side. Okay, And he does that because he, he thinks that Richard's going to win. So he wants to join the winning side. And it, it, it's, it's said that uh, that was the last straw for Henry II. It's actually what put him in his grave, finding out his favourite son has turned against him. Now, how true that is or not, I'm not sure, but that's certainly one of the, the, the popular beliefs. Okay. Um, yeah, there we go. Remember, John doesn't become king until 1199 after Richard dies. And before that, uh, whilst Richard is captured in 1192, uh, John uh, sort of teams up with Richard's old nemesis, his enemy, uh, Philip II of France, and, and, and starts trying to take his crown whilst he's away. Doesn't manage it when Richard comes back. And visits England, he forgives John for that and uh, actually makes him his heir, bearing in mind that Richard, of course, has no sons to make heirs himself. He, he forgives John, calls him a stupid child and um, allows him to take control of his former properties and forgives him for all everything he's done before and makes him his heir. When Richard dies in 1199, that's when he becomes king. So that's the story on the run-up to John becoming king. And then once he is king, I'm just going to run through the sort of highlights, really. There are quite a lot of them. Richard's reign is a little less probably tumultuous than, than John's. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that John's more likely to pop up on your exam, of course, but there are some really famous events during his reign, like the interdict, excommunication, and, of course, Magna Carta. So uh, here we go. The first sort of thing that, that, that you need to know about in 1202 is his um, quarrel with Arthur. Now, Arthur is John's nephew by one of his older brothers who died before even Richard comes to the throne. But some people think that Arthur has the better claim than John. Now, he's not a problem for Richard because Arthur is too young at the time. But by the time John comes to the throne, Arthur is a teenager. He has allied himself with Philip II and he is staking his claim. All right. He's actually laying siege to his mother's castle or to John's mother's castle in 1202 when John takes him by surprise with an army. He's not there himself and manages to capture Arthur, his nephew. OK, now no one know, really knows what happens to Arthur. It's one of those mysteries in history. Uh, there are loads and loads of various sort of um, ideas and theories about what might have happened to him. Some stories say that uh, um, Arthur was beaten to death by John in a drunk, drunken rage. Other stories say that John murdered Arthur with his own bare hands by drowning him. Uh, there are even reports 
that um, William de Browser, sort of one of, John, one of John's key barons, was ordered to castrate Arthur and eliminate him that way. Castrate means have your gentleman bits cut off. So really nasty. This is this is a blood relation. This is his nephew. And bearing in mind, of course, that, that, that Arthur is just a young teenager at the time. So particularly gruesome, particularly nasty, and really doesn't paint a very good picture of John at all. In 1200... John uh, divorces his wife. Divorces his wife at the time and marries Isabella of Angoulême, um, which gives Philip II the opportunity to legally attack John's lands in France without annoying the Pope, which he which he does. Um, by 1204, John had lost Normandy and the vast majority of all the other land on the continent, including the great Chateau Gaillard, the massive state-of-the-art castle that Richard had had built. So um, absolutely terrible for John, bearing in mind, of course, that barons, just like John himself, Many of them had lands in England and in France. So when all of that land's lost in France, the Baron's own pockets are hit pretty hard. Makes him deeply unpopular and uh, is a massive problem for him. In 1205, uh, John falls out with the Pope, a man by the name of Pope Innocent III, over who should be the next Archbishop of Canterbury. John's pretty unlucky here. Uh, he comes up against a particularly militant Pope in Pope Innocent, despite the name, a particularly angry and aggressive Pope that concerns himself with the business of kings, and uh, they fall out over who should be Pope, um, it leads to interdict, which effectively means that the churches are closed. And that may not sound like a big deal to some of you out there, but if you are a passionate Christian in medieval times, they all would have been. Not being able to go to confession, not being able to be married in a church, not being able to have your children welcomed into the church means that you can't go to heaven and that was a big deal for many of those people so again made John unpopular although uh, a lot of people also sided with John over that one so there you go but it was another it was a, it was another straw that would eventually break the camel's back as it were in 1209 the pope excommunicates john which means that he is no longer part of the church because of this dispute and that means effectively that his barons don't have to don't have to follow what he says they don't have to to follow his leadership anymore because he's no longer part of the christian church so that causes major problems with john by 1213 john has accepted the man that uh, pope innocent wanted as his archbishop in the first place and they have reconciled their differences uh, john becomes the pope's vassal Okay, he pays homage to him, which sounds really weak and sounds like a disaster, but actually means that when John has a problem, he can actually run to the Pope for help. And so actually, you know, it's controversial, but you could look at that as a, as a good bit of diplomacy by John. Things continue to go from bad to worse for, for King John. Um, he, he can, after falling out with the Pope, he then falls out with his barons over lots of different reasons, including the loss of the land in France and the fact that he is taxing heavily his barons so that he can raise an army to win his land back. Bearing in mind, of course, that the barons have recently been taxed uh, very heavily by Richard to take back the Holy Land and then have been taxed again by Eleanor of Aquitaine to free Richard from 
prison with regards to his ransom. And now John is heavily taxing the barons for the third time just to get the land back that in their mind he shouldn't have lost in the first place. Makes him horrifically unpopular. There are other reasons as well, but basically he falls out with his barons and many of them directly act against him. That all comes to a head um, in uh, 1215 when many of the barons um, forced John to agree to Magna Carta. Now, Magna Carta is a set of rules laid out by the barons by, uh, you know, expectations, if, long. So it, if you like. So it's, a, it's an attempt to stop John just doing what he wants. Okay, it's often regarded as one of the most significant events in, in history, not just English history, because it's a king formally acknowledging that he can't do what he wants anymore. Okay, it's actually on the door to the Supreme Court in America, you know, a picture of Magna Carta and a great symbol of the people's power over, over, over those that, that are above them, I suppose. Um, in reality, for John, he just ignores it. Uh, the Pope uh, chucks it out and... Um, he goes back to war, goes back to war with his barons. But things are made worse when Philip II's son, Prince Louis, also invades. Okay, he sees an opportunity with, the, uh, with, with everything that's going on between John and the barons. The barons ally with Louis and uh, he invades. Okay, so you've got a French army. Some historians even think that he was secretly crowned at Westminster. So it could be that we've had a King Louis as an English king very briefly in our history as well. It's all going terrible for him. The country's in open rebellion. John's retreating from the French army that's running rampant throughout the lands. His barons are fighting against him as well. And then he goes and dies. He goes and dies in 1216, debatably, or apparently, eating uh, bad peaches, of all things. So he dies, he bows out, leaving the country in an absolute state of affairs. Open rebellion, French uh, army running rampant. He does leave a son, however, unlike Richard, he leaves the uh, soon-to-be Henry III, a young son, who is passed into the hands of... Um, of the ever-dependable uh, William Marshall, who's been dubbed England's greatest knight by history. He's actually been ever-present throughout the whole course. He served Henry II, he then serves Richard, and finally he, he serves John, and, and actually sorts out a lot of the problems that John left him with. But unlike Richard, whose um, kingdom is pretty much is the same as it was, completely intact in 1189, it's the same as when he leaves it in 1199. In fact, he's, he's improved it quite a bit in terms of uh, how it's governed and, and some of the, the, the sort of um, government sort of level uh, things like that. Um, John, when he comes to the king in 1199, he inherits what Richard had. And by the end, in 1216, when he dies, it's in absolute turmoil. Um, the only major difference is that he leaves an heir, with, which Richard does, I suppose. He, he, he names John, but doesn't have any, any children, per se. So um, all of those things, um, you need to weigh up and decide who is the better king. Were either of the many good kings? And uh, basically evaluate their reigns. Okay? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen... 
I know I've absolutely bombarded you with lots of information on this one, but hopefully it's given you a, a, a relatively brief overview of the reign of King John, um, the crazy history, the crazy events that he was involved in, and that should give you a good enough overview to be able to focus in now more specifically on the individual events and fill in those gaps in your knowledge and be better prepared for your GCSE exam in the summer. Anyway, that's it for this one. Bit of a long one, longer one than usual. We will continue next time focusing on Richard and, and the first part of his reign. Uh, that's it from me for this one. All the best. And as always, keep working hard. Bye-bye.